Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? So this podcast was recorded all the way back in April. So pretty long time ago. Good thing I've been Johnny on the spot and uh, putting these episodes out in a timely manner. I was sitting on the porch this morning with Rich, drinking some coffee before we transplanted some lettuce into the beds. And something that Rich was listening to was Diego's Do the Work Actually, no, it was, I think it was after we transplanted. I don't really remember. And Diego was talking about making sure that you do something you're going to say. And guys, I've been a dirty liar to all of you. I'm really sorry. I try to get these episodes out consistently, and it just kind of falls on the back burner. And, um, you know, it's nothing personal. I mean, I wouldn't be doing the things I was, I'm doing now if it wasn't for everybody that listens to the show. So you all are appreciated, especially this guest, Sean Brown. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'm trying to build this business and trying to to make sure I'm making a, an income so I can pay my bills and all that fun jazz. So that's taking a little bit of a back burner. So getting a lot, getting a lot of work done. Um, something Rich and I talk a lot about is, you know, mainly what Rich talks to me about is, you know, people that own their homes spend a lot of time at home. So, you know, just trying to balance my life in between, trying to make income on the side um, because I'm not making enough on the farm now to pay all my bills. But I'm pretty, I mean, I'm getting up there, but, you know, it's just it's just a, a time thing, man, but I'm enjoying it. You know, big shout out to Eric, it's Eric Gillum. So he's a listener out of... Uh, He's a patron as well, and something Eric wrote me an email, and it stuck with me. He said, hey, man, make sure you're enjoying this process of building your business. And that's the thing I, I don't always do is I don't always take the time to really enjoy the process. And, and something I've been really trying to do, especially after um, you know the course I did with Javin, is, is being more mindful and being more grateful. So you know, I'm grateful every day that I can not go and drive in rush hour traffic and sit at my old desk and deal with somebody else's butthole customers. So, you know, it's it's just not something that I want to do. So I'm pretty pretty happy. So I'm I've been spent a lot of time this summer and season figuring out how I can stay doing this and not have to go work a job, much to the dismay of of certain friends and family members who are concerned for me. Not many, actually. It's just people that don't totally understand my opposition to corporate America. So, yeah. So, anyway, so this this podcast might not even come out because Sean Brown is going to listen to this podcast first. And if you guys are listening to this, it's because he liked the podcast and allowed me to release it. So, I'm going to leave that in there because Sean will appreciate that. But before we get started... Um, it was a while ago, so it was before, you know, this is well before Rich had moved in. This is back in April, and this is the oldest podcast I've been sitting on. There's actually, actually, there's one more, but it's sitting in Patreon. Um, so let's get right into the affiliates. So this podcast is brought to you by audibletrial.com forward slash sample hour. So the book that I'm reading now is Brian Tracy's Time Management. So it's not really a book. So anybody that doesn't know who Brian Tracy is, Brian Tracy is known by many who are in, who've, 
I've been listening to like audio books and when I first started there was no audible so we used to say the tapes and CDs and that's kind of like old old time talk for you know self-help entrepreneurial type stuff but time management made simple I'm a big fan it's actually a bunch of different courses that Brian Tracy's done um, a lot of it I feel is geared towards corporate America and people in corporate America. And I don't agree with everything you said. It's very much so the New England um, style about work ethic when it's talking about like, you know, it's not necessarily about enjoying your life. So I'm all about finding that balance now. I do tend to be, I do tend to lay on, I, I tend to lean on the not so much hard work. Like I'll do some hard work and then I, I like to hang out and I like to enjoy people's company and time and relationships. That's, you know, as Rich says, I'm Tom Sawyer. So I want, I want to have my fence painted. So I have all my friends come over and show me how to paint the fence. And by the time I learn, my fence is painted. So maybe there's some truth to that, but I, I appreciate relationships. I appreciate, you know, people's company, getting to know other people, really kind of picking their brain for who they are and just just generally appreciating who they are whether it's their quirks or any anything weird about them i mean that's what that's what makes us all great is that's you know our differences so that's the one aspect i disagree with in the book but there's a lot of other good stuff in there that's really kind of helped me with just you know taking time to kind of plan my day or, or becoming a better planner so that's helped me out a lot so time management made simple by brian tracy Next, check out Nature's Image Farm. Nothing is for sale, but go and check it out. Big fan of Nature's Image Farm. I'm supposed to have a testimonial on there, but I haven't written one and sent it to James Blask yet, so someday that will show up on there. But I figure I tell enough people about Nature's Image Farm on this podcast and make sure that Greg Burns hears me talk about it every single episode. That's good enough. I mean, if everybody else is getting sick of it, you can just send me an email and I'll just say, oh, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And then I'll keep doing it and just totally disregard your feelings and thoughts and opinions. So try it out. Maybe that'll be a fun email. Um, so yeah, so naturesimagefarm.com. You can buy nothing and use code word sample and save 10% on nothing. And then you'll get free shipping on nothing. It's quite the great deal. Uh, second, Go to Versaland.tv. So Grant Schultz still has the free pawpaw course up. And guess what, guys? I just talked to Grant. Soon we're going to be doing a podcast. I don't know when, but soon. Grant's still, you know, kind of on his hustle and bustle. And uh, he has another course coming out. Once it launches, you will know. I will be an affiliate for Grant Schultz. He's a good friend of mine. I like Grant quite a bit. He's been a big inspiration for me being a crazy mad farmer myself and and living this life. So look forward to that. So I know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you guys. That's that's the kind of guy I am. Then uh, last but not least with the affiliates, check out ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. So big fan of the course. I probably need to go do another refresher of it. It's something that I like to kind of just go and refer to and leverage my experience and compare it with Curtis's experience and what's what's in the course. It's it's a great um, it's a great resource guide if you want to get started and and really make a go at making a living with small scale farming or urban farming and in the you know spin you know with Curtis Stone system. So big fan of that course. 
So if you click on the first link in the show notes, you'll save $100. So, and that's if you want to make a one-time payment. The second one is a payment plan. It's a four-part payment plan. That's the one that I did. So I'm saying so way too much right now, guys. I hope I hope you don't mind. I'm not used to doing these solo things. It's kind of challenged by some friends to do a solo podcast. Actually, a few people have asked me to. So once I get through all these podcasts, I've failed to edit this season. Um, I'll be more than happy to do some solo episodes for you guys, and you can just listen to this. Because if you find this entertaining, I... I appreciate you, truly, because I, I don't know how I just talk into a microphone by myself, but I do. So that's right. People say they like my long intros. It, it blew my mind because I hated them because people would make fun of me for them. But I just realized it was because I was saying I didn't like them on here, so people would give bust my balls about it. So, yeah, that was a good story right there. All right, so let's talk about how you can support the show. So I did just invest in cryptocurrency so i have a litecoin wallet i have a bitcoin wallet i have an ethereum wallet i have i have a bunch of wallets i don't know how to how to share that though so you guys know how to if you want to make a contribution to the show or donate to the show via crypto cryptocurrency um just shoot me an email i'll send you my wallet address i don't know how it works to uh i guess there's like a barcode that you guys can scan and i'll i need to get the photos and put them on the site so um like i said it's on the back burner so if you are interested i'm definitely interested in receiving some cryptocurrency i'm gonna start i think so my view and i'm gonna have a podcast about this eventually soon as well um thanks to diego footer i'm no longer gonna tell you when i felt actually really bad when i was listening to that do the work podcast because I thought about the times when I go to Greg's house and I love spending time with Greg's kids and I want to do like a thousand things when I'm at the Burns. Yeah, I'm talking about Nature's Image Farm again, guys. It's a it's a fun place. So I, I his kids will ask me to read to him and I'll say, yeah, I'll do that later. And then I never do because I get busy with other stuff. And the last time Greg said it's probably not going to happen today. So I wonder if I'm really disappointing Greg's kids. I feel really bad about it. So Anybody that's listening, if you're Greg's kids and I haven't read to you recently, I'm really sorry. I will read to you soon, once the season's over. But I'm no longer going to promise because i got to be a man of my word. And uh, I feel kind of crappy about it. So, moving forward. Um, I totally forgot what I was saying there. So, oh yeah, eventually I'm going to be doing a cryptocurrency podcast with uh, um, some people. No, my good friends, Daryl Becker and uh, Randall Parker Jr., hopefully. So I want to hammer it down, try to get those two on. They're both really into crypto, and they have quite a bit of insight. There's a lot of people that are talking heads about cryptocurrency, and you know me, guys. I'd rather just give you just kind of like the, the, the average person's perspective. I think a lot of people are looking at crypto as a way to make a quick buck, which if you know how to do that, that's awesome. But to me, I'm viewing it more as a savings plan. And that's something Charles Hugh Smith really kind of hammered in my head. So uh, just from my conversations with him is it's it's something you should do for savings. Um, yeah, so that's cryptocurrency. There we go. Who would have thought I would have talked about that today? Not me. Then, uh, okay, yeah. And then if you guys just want to become patrons, I am actually, it's raining today. So I'm going to be loading some episodes up there today. So <laughs> you know you never hear this. So, but... That's definitely going to happen today. 
So I hope you guys enjoy that, um, these episodes, and then I'm going to put slowly put some out on here. So check out my Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. And then finally, if you just want to do a one-time donation and you don't want it to be cryptocurrency and you don't want to become a patron, um, there is a link for PayPal in the show notes. So with that being said, guys, uh, I had a fun time talking to Sean Brown. Looking forward to getting him on again in the future. And I hope you guys enjoy this show. do intros anymore sean so you just gotta just gotta start talking <laughs> live at uh the right. sean the sean the sean the brown homes farmstead um that's a great intro man and it's it is good but i mean we're outside on the porch and uh i've been wanting to do this for a while since i met you we were, i met you at a taco tuesday at uh, buckeye lake brewing and you're the first one out there and you're like hey drew i'm sean brown good yeah. to finally meet you and i was like Oh, this guy seems really cool. I can't believe he listens to my show. So <laughs> okay, and yeah, then go ahead. No, and then uh, then we we've been trying to connect, but you're you're a busy guy, Sean. So not only do you have, uh, I'll let you tell your story. I mean, you have a full time job. You have a farmstead. You at one point had a store for the farmstead. You had a lot of stuff, and it's a, it's a cool story. I just did, went on a tour. I got to see your your heifers. Uh, I got to. I got to see half of half of everything. I got to meet your guard donkeys, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that. We'll get into the guard the guard soon. donkeys. So, but yeah, man. So, how did you? Because I met you through Ohio GSD and Greg Burns, but how did you get into all this? You can take a drink first, man. I won't. Yeah, I won't. no, I'm good, dude. We're having, we're having some drinks out here. I'm I'm. Had a good meal. Yeah, man. Sitting outside meal. listening to the peepers. Listening to the peepers, which are frogs. I didn't know the peepers were Correct. frogs. They are tiny little frogs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I uh, my story is a little bit different than uh, a lot of the people we hang out with. I, I grew up uh, full-blood hillbilly um, down here in southeastern Ohio. I did pretty much everything I could to get away from it. So my dad was a high school teacher, taught VOAG. Um, I was in 4-H growing up, took animals to the fair, did the whole conventional farming thing. I didn't even know what 4-H was until I met, talked to Nick Hazleton. I sound like such a dumbass you're, in that podcast. You're in Ohio people. and you didn't know what 4-H no, was? No, because I was always, I mean, my, I mean, I was always in, my mom, my grandpa went from the hills into the inner city of Toledo. My mom took us away from country Took us away from our own people and put us, tried to put us in the best schools possible, which proved to not be that good for public <laughs> schools. Moved us from Toledo to Hilliard because they were supposed to have the best public schools, but didn't take in the effect that at the time Hilliard was one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. And uh, so, no, the take your tractor to school day, I think, ended, you know, eight years before yeah, we moved down to Hilliard. I didn't participate in that. Uh, you're in it denial. definitely happened yeah. in my neighborhood, but I didn't participate. But uh, for me, the <clears throat> 4-H experience was mostly a way to make money. So you'd take an animal and raise it as fast as you could and then sell it at the fair and make money. But I wasn't really interested in the farm. Looking back, 
I wish, uh, you know, they always say the only regrets you have are like the risks and stuff you didn't take. What one of my only regrets was I didn't pay attention more when I was a kid. So if yeah. I had if I had really paid attention more to all the stuff that was going around, I would probably be twenty, thirty years ahead of where I am now. Yeah. But th- that was my life journey. You you can't make somebody like something. But also too, I mean, you, you took the risk in moving to the city. Like you moved from you moved from the, the hills to Columbus, and that was a definite cultural shift for me. Yeah. So, but I I wouldn't take back that experience for anything. Yeah. I I feel like I'm a much more well-rounded person. I definitely got to see more of the world because I I didn't live in a great neighborhood in Columbus. I had people shot in my front yard. It's uh, pretty interesting. It, I've it, never had that. I can't check that off no, of my I, box. I had SWAT team knocking at my door several times. I had helicopters shining lights in my windows. So. Where'd you live at in Columbus? Um, right off 4th Street. Okay, off so this campus, is so by fairgrounds. So kinda. this is before they cleaned up that area because yeah, now way it's before. really nice. Yeah, it's much better now. So, but I remember growing up, it wasn't like no, twenty five years ago. No way. Short was, North was a dump. There was a everything sh- was a dump, and now they're cleaning yeah. up my neighborhood. Which it was is great. there was a short north posse was huge, and that was kind of going on right in my backyard. So, That's um, it, it, the price was right for yeah. a four bedroom, uh, like brick townhome <laughs> that seven of us could cram into in college. So See, you were close to Fourth and Hudson, uh, even further south than that, like Fourth and Seventeenth. Oh yeah, you yeah, remember yeah, Susie Q yeah, Pool yeah, Hall? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right across the street. Okay, yeah. So that's that's interesting, man. Because now it's like that neighborhood is yeah, it's much much much, much better. Like used kids just moved on Fourth Street. Really? Yeah, because they are they're cleaning up campus so much. Well, I and I I used to go to to all the the real hangouts back in the day, like Mean Mister Mustards and Maxwell's and South Heidelberg, and she used to be a hipster. I <laughs> still a hipster. I was a broke college student. I think so. I think it's it's funny. I always say we're the hipster hillbillies because we're like. We are championing being hillbilly, but we're not like the normal hillbillies. We're like, oh, what was cool? What was cool is the shit we remember from growing up or the things that like our granddads liked and stuff like I that. I would actually like to partner with you on creating some hip hop hillbilly slang. Yeah. So like, so like hip billy. Hip so billy. Like, yeah. Um, instead of turnt, yeah. like I was out building fence last yeah. week and I got tornt. <laughs> so like I got I got oh, all torn up. You got torn up in, in some some honey locust and some multiflora rose. Oh man, yeah, honey locusts <laughs> are the worst. I mean, and I, that was funny too. And I'm pretty sure what you think is poison ivy. I think that's honey locust. Yeah, your hand? reaction to it. Really? No, and no. If you look up what those needles do in honey locusts, yeah. like, they do the same thing to everyone. Well, I. It's like a. That's why the. That's why the thorns are there because it actually it will if it's. When I was okay, so after Hogtoberfest, when uh, I came the next weekend and I helped Greg plant all these trees, because I was like, man, that was just such a good weekend, and I, I had to go back to work for four days, and I was like, that sucked. I was like, let me go back out there. So I went back to no cell phone service land, and then me, Jake, and Greg planted a whole bunch of trees. Like we just planted a ton of trees. Is that when you got your evaluation from the Burns Boys? I was when, when work, I got yeah yeah <laughs> I got my valuation and uh, <laughs> and so anyway so uh, I had 
we were i was helping them clear brush and they were doing something right and i was like no you don't want to do it that way you want to do it this way and then greg came and he goes what are you guys doing it that way for i'm like oh that's my bad i had no <laughs> idea what i was i was telling to do all this wrong shit uncle drew's a bad influence yeah and to this day jake goes yeah i only messed up because i listened to you talk and like jake <laughs> talks so much crap so anyways uh i had got i kept getting stung like by the because i wouldn't see it and those yeah. big ass storms dig into you and i had like the same thing that i have now all through my hand and everything like that so could be i think it's from the honey locust since you just cut down those big trees yeah. but so anyway so telling your story before we so, I, so, I, oh, yeah. off-roaded you so so yeah <laughs> I, I, this conversation. I, I moved to columbus uh, uh had some friends that were musicians kind of uh went to school for long enough to be a doctor um, I actually thought that I wanted to be in pre-med for a while. I went into architecture for a while um, and then got into retail and decided that it was more fun to make money than pay money. And did you ever, education. did you ever finish as well? Like were I you, did not. No. So you're the same boat as me. So you have like yep. enough credits for three degrees, but then yes. you don't have any degree. Yeah. I went yep, to school long too. enough to be a doctor, but yeah. Then I got into, I got into retail too. Same, same, similar stories. So keep going. Sorry. Yep. So, uh, was, was kind of toiling around with, with retail and uh, living in Columbus, and uh, my parents invited me home for for Sunday dinner. So I drove back out here to uh, Perry County is where we originated, and about five minutes before dinner, my dad said, oh, yeah, by the way, I invited my college roommate um, and his 20-something unmarried daughter. So I, so I got I kind of got ambushed into a blind date with both sets of parents there. And your and, pride uh, level in your twenties doesn't realize how nice that is. Now when you're yeah. my age, <laughs> you know, thirty two, you're like, oh yeah, what's what's she like? What's she what's she into? I I'm kind of an introvert and uh, not not super great on a first date to begin with. So it was very uncomfortable. I kind of made an ass of myself. Uh, my wife wasn't impressed. You had a bad attitude. I, I did. I actually tried to read the newspaper the entire time. and <laughs> Her mom was asking me questions about my career and what I like to do and stuff. So um, I actually called Katie up the next the next day to apologize and ended up speaking to her on the phone for about two hours. Um, and then uh, now we have three kids. And You got married, you said, like a year later. Like yeah, about a year, a year, year and a half. Um but it, it's it's pretty interesting that her her dad and my dad were college roommates and then kind of separated and 25 years goes by and she actually had a picture of me in her basement growing up huh. a, a picture of myself and her sister and we had no idea who each each other was and life kind of went full circle and met her and fell in love she she uh thought i was funny laughed at my jokes always a good and, sign yeah very good <laughs> so, she's um, i mean she's 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 got a cool story too because uh well and we can get to that too as she paid for college but but you and your dads were ag nerds yeah like, yeah like so. back in the when would they go to college like this 70s right late 60s early 70s yeah um yeah so i i did everything to get away from agriculture and if it wasn't for ffa I wouldn't be married and have three amazing children because uh, my my dad and Katie's dad, Tim, were walking through the Oval on campus and saw each other's 
Perry County FFA jackets, and it was like a Voag nerd romance. Bro off. <laughs> bro, yeah. there was some bro, there's some bromance going on. Started hard back started then. talking to each other and got an apartment behind the varsity club on campus and lived together for a few years. And my dad was actually in their wedding. Um, and then they just they just kind of drifted apart for 25 years. And this chance encounter, my dad ran into Katie um, somewhere, recognized her last name. We met up. It's really nice of your cat to just destroy your screen like that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, mystery. That's part of the benefit of being outside on a deck podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get nice distractions. We'll, we'll probably like hear that. some coyotes here in a little bit. Hopefully, too, that'll so. be great. I love it. I love but, uh, it. But if it wasn't for that chance encounter, um, they became friends. So, so your dad ran into her, recognized her last name, and said, I was your dad's roommate. Yep. And then invited, say, hey, get me your phone number. We're going to meet up for dinner. And then, by the way, I'm going to Shanghai my son into showing up and <laughs> that whole thing. So, so then I, I ended up moving back to this area, um, commuted to Columbus for a while. Um, I, uh, was still working retail and her dad approached us one day. He was, uh, he worked in a clay mine, um, actually established a clay mine. He was very progressive. So he had, one of the first passive solar homes in the United States. Which is what we're at today. Yeah, we're sitting at it now. We uh, renovated it, and Katie and I now live here in her childhood home. Um, but he uh, he realized that conventional agriculture um, in the early 2000s wasn't making any money. And he said, I'm, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm going to go to Transition Organic, and I'm going to start taking my whole farm into a pasture-based grass based system that I've been reading about and I'm going to need somebody to help market my product because as I was talking to you earlier today, Ohio is about five to 10 years behind the East and West coast when it comes to basically any kind of trends. And then Zanesville, Ohio is another five to 10 years behind regular Ohio. So when we started, nobody had ever heard of grass fed beef I don't pastured think, pigs. I mean, I I hadn't even heard of. I knew that there was a better way to get meat after watching Food Inc. and I think that was in 2008. But I didn't hear about grass fed until about 2011. Yeah, so this personally. would have been this would have been 2001. So 10 years before I was still in high school, had no idea, no idea. Yeah, Atkins, thanks for making me Atkins, feel old. Well, no, well Atkins. <laughs> Atkins was starting to pick up trend. That was Correct, like the yes. time of the Atkins. Her dad diet. was really big on the Atkins diet. It's yeah. So we, uh, Joel Salatin, hadn't quite reached the levels of fame that he's at right now. Back in two thousand, two thousand one, and Michael Pollan hadn't written a book and featured him in it yet. Nope, nope. So it was everything was pretty new. I remember. Um, this is how hip Shane, Sh- Sean is. <laughs> this freaking wine. I keep wanting to call you Shane, and that's that's our other buddy. Yeah, it's National Malbec or International Malbec Day, so sorry, folks. That's um, all good. Winecast here. So, so yeah, so this is how hip her dad was that he goes, look, this is the trend that's happening. We need a transition. We're doing row crops. It's probably saw the writing on the wall for the row crops. Starts changing it. And how did he find out about Joel Salatin? Uh, I still run into people that if I say the word Kemple, they know Katie's dad. So he spoke at the OFER conference several years in a row. He went to every Acres USA conference that there's ever been. Um, he helped 
consult for a lot of ag products all over the United the United States. So he he was a absolute sponge for knowledge and definitely progressive and way ahead of his time. So he took Katie and I actually to Salatin's farm back to one of like their, their first couple like overnight field days. And it was before it was this this huge Yeah, like he didn't even have all his kids. Yeah, yeah, I don't think. They I mean, were really young. I remember his oldest son was just a teenager. Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Running his, running his rabbit business. Yep. Just just getting started. Um, they had they had some restaurants. He was starting to get uh, a little bit of fame speaking on like the Acres USA tour and stuff like that. But he wasn't, there was no way he was like now meeting with the Queen of England and stuff like that. So um, that really is what was the catalyst that changed Katie and 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 my way of thinking. Um, what were you guys doing before that? You were just helping him market, or what? Like, uh, what? 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 We was... hadn't even started yet. I was uh, still working retail. She was. Um, she has a master's degree and was working at a a home for um, mentally disabled men. Um, and we were just kind of just uh, but, married, but, no kids. But Katie had paid her way through college. Yeah, she. Um, she worked at the family dairy. Um, they had a rotational grazing, um, intensive grazing dairy here on the farm that they ran for um, I don't know, like five or six years. And Katie was the head of that, completely in charge, made all the money to put herself through college. Um, and it was always like she, she helped her dad start the clay mine. She was one of the best equipment operators I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, she was like Tim's right right hand person. And he approached her and, and she took a huge risk. Like she's the one with the education, had the master's degree and quit her job, um, bet on herself and said, We're gonna start this company and we did some research, worked with a neighbor of ours, came up with a name and started Sweet Meadows. And Sweet Meadows to begin with was uh two coolers purchased from like uh Sam's Club or Home Depot, a money box, and our spare time on the weekends at farmers markets. And it was a lot of educating customers because, like I said, back then nobody knew what grass. Nobody was. knew. Nobody knew how to cook it. Nobody thought it was even possible. There was there wasn't infographs like there are today. No, no. Where you could just say this is grass fed nutrients versus regular grain fed. Yep. Why? Why is it so lean, and why do I actually taste the grass in my meat? And yeah, what's this? It like I can no, actually that's taste what people beef. want. Like people enjoy it, it now. It yeah, like the food culture nowadays and the education label uh, level. I'm sorry of people and and their food is just infinitely further than what it was 15 years ago, especially out here in like rural southeastern Ohio. Yeah. So and I'd always thought if we were like in Reynoldsburg or Dublin or somewhere and had the exact same business, we probably could have grown much quicker than we were. So maybe, but I, I even think back then as hip as Columbus is, I mean, nobody knew what, I mean, grass fed didn't, I don't think grass fed became like a staple until like 2010, 2011, probably. Yeah. And I, we, we actually, um, we we had a meeting with Cameron Mitchell and he featured our steaks 
in in Mitchell's downtown for a week, and I've got a picture of Katie's grandpa, her dad, um, her, our first daughter, like four generations of the farm with the head chef. It was like really exciting stuff back then. It was like cutting edge. <laughs> what year we was it? That was 2010? Uh, was, was born in, it would have been like 2006-ish. Oh, wow. Yeah, so 11 years ago. Still in college then. Just going to keep making you feel old, but <laughs> Yeah, so. so. Toledo. We definitely didn't have anything like that in Toledo. No, so we uh, started the farmer's markets and started getting our name out there and just really uh, met some super cool people. Um, joined a Weston A. Price Foundation uh, fellowship out here, um, if anybody's familiar with that. And what is Weston A. Price? Because I, I had no idea what that was. So there's a... Weston A. Price was a dentist um, from like the 20s and 30s. Um, really quick in a nutshell, traveled the world with the money he was making from his dentistry and um, really studied indigenous cultures. And what he noticed in all of these cultures around the world, whether they were Eskimos or um, tribes in Africa that weren't influenced by um, outside culture, that all of their teeth were perfect. And I'll, like I said, I'm going to boil it down and probably butcher everything. But basically found out that without eating all this processed food, they're a much healthier culture. Mainly things that turn into sugar quickly. Any, anything like one of my uh, our rules when we were first having kids with it, it is if it's white and powdery, it's probably bad for you. So white sugar, white powder, cocaine, crystal meth, anything that's a white powder isn't good for you. So if it's bright and colorful, that means it probably has enzymes and it grows out of the ground and it's really good for you. And um, the the group that we were in really promoted raw milk and unprocessed foods and grass-fed beef. They were right at the cusp of the grass-fed beef movement, pastured animals, cod liver oil, all that stuff that's pretty mainstream now was pretty controversial back then. I remember trying to tell my parents that we were feeding our kids raw milk and raw egg yolks and stuff like that and having still to this kids day, at home. if i think so here's the thing if you, if you got uh if you ate raw egg yolks from the grocery store that's definitely risky but man i mean like once you start using raw eggs to make your own mayonnaise and salad dressing and everything like that it's it's like damn does this taste so much better yeah and, and you don't really have the risk of all the no. pathogens and, and stuff like that when you're raising healthy animals. Correct. So my breakfast today was a glass of raw milk and a raw egg yolk and a little bit of honey. Mixed up in a glass, drank it. It's your Rocky Balboa. Delicious. Egg. I didn't know you Rocky Balboa did all the time. <laughs> I cook I do cook my eggs, but I like I like cooked breakfast. Get some onions, yep. garlic, potatoes, with some I, eggs. I'll I'll tell you though. Wasn't hungry until like this was at six in the morning. Wasn't hungry till like noon. One. Oh, same here. Yeah, like I if if I'm not working and I eat a hearty breakfast from like Greg's bacon and then eggs from one of the many Ohio GSD guys that just pawn off eggs on me, which I appreciate. <laughs> and then I and I put like onions, garlic, and like sweet potato potatoes. If I'm not working outside, I'm not hungry till like six. Yeah, you're good but to if, go. But man. if I'm doing labor and I'm walking around, then. I'm I'm probably usually about hungry, not hungry until like two. It's it's I it's you get the that good fat, yeah, good fats. It's, it's, it's the exactly fats, what I was gonna yeah. say. Katie's Animal dad fats. would always say if he had some some good pork in the morning, he was good till yeah. dinner time. 
Oh, yeah. But if he just had, you can't eat like a bagel or something like that in no. the morning, you'll burn out. So um, we quickly built up our market in Zanesville and and uh, took the plunge and started renting a, a property. It started out downtown in a, a building that was owned by a friend of ours. Um, and then after a couple of years, moved up to Maple Avenue, which is like the main drag here in Zanesville. And uh, had a, a pretty successful pit. grocery store. For, downtown Zanesville like a pit? Uh, I know the high school is. There's been promises of renovating downtown Zanesville and some really encouraging but I mean, stuff like, going on. There's a bunch of hills and you just go down into like a pit. It's kind of a downtown. valley, yeah. yeah. It's where two rivers meet. And, I call it uh, a pit because it's, it's the Zanesville. only bridge that you can cross and end up on the same side of the river, Drew. No way. The Y Bridge. You've never been to the Y Bridge in Zanesville? No, I try to avoid downtown Zanesville. <laughs> and it was also, I believe, the first state capital, Zanesville, Ohio. So it went, oh yeah, well I think it went Chillicothe, Zanesville, Chillicothe, so the Columbus. There you go. Because I think. Number two. Yeah, because Chillicothe is the first and third state capital. Because all my friends from Chillicothe told me that. <laughs> and then they're like, well Columbus is the fourth. And I'm like, well who's the second? And they're like, we don't know. We just know that we're the first and the third. What? I know Zanesville was in there. With you know, Chillicothe it's probably somewhere. the second. Actually, that makes it probably it makes a lot of sense because I think it we'll was... have to have like a Zanesville Chillicothe Rumble. <laughs> yeah, hash it out. <laughs> full like full on Jets Sharks with a lot of finger snapping. Whoever decided to change to Columbus was a lot was smart. I, I guess <laughs> whoever decided on two seventy was not though. So you don't like two seventy? They they did put it too far out. Like so. Yeah, the yeah. outer belt is now in the middle of the city, so that is true. They didn't plan out far enough. Well, I don't think anybody knew Columbus would like Columbus. If if all the old people weren't moving to Columbus, it'd still be like the <laughs> top five. Or uh, moving to Florida, Columbus would still be within like the top five fastest growing cities at the rate it's growing. Oh, yep. But well, anyways, they haven't keep had going. better transportation. Thanks, so, thanks for uh, thanks, thanks alcohol for me interrupting Sean. <laughs> it's all good, about brother. This shit, yeah. Uh, so anyways, we had a, a grocery store and I remember sitting with, uh, Katie, uh, her mom, Martha and Tim, her dad, um, here at this place actually, and trying to figure out what we were going to stand for as a company and like what our goals and principles were. And uh, number one was, um, to have the most integrity and, and be 100% transparent in everything we do in agriculture so that anytime anybody wanted to come to the farm, we were, we were going to say, we're not ashamed of what we're doing. We, we raise our animals right. We're, we're doing everything as, as organically and close to nature as we can. Come out and visit us. And then we were really passionate about helping other people. So in the 11 years the store was open, almost 12 years, um, I, 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 I can't even tell you a number if katie was here she could tell you but over 50 local producers and farmers that we've carried products from um 20 to 30 restaurants that we've supplied um and and prided ourselves on customer service like we still carried people's groceries to their cars if people didn't have enough money to buy their stuff we would just write it down and we would say the next time you come in you know what i mean just pay us so that's something we were really 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 proud of and then uh, most recently, um, just with, and you and I talked about this a lot, 2016 was incredibly difficult for retailers everywhere. 
Yeah, when Walmart and McDonald's are closing stores, you know it's it's a bad year for retail. Yeah, and we just the the sheer volume that people like a Kroger when, when Kroger is in a price war with Walmart, you know they're getting big. Kroger's huge, and a lot of people don't realize how big Kroger is. Kroger actually has chains. So it's a Cincinnati company, so technically it's a local company, but they actually have a uh, European change, like uh, like I'm t- like Eastern Europe. Like they have chains <laughs> out there. Uh, they're big in Texas now, which I didn't realize. Kroger I went down is. to Houston in wow. uh, 2010. Went for my but my uncle's wedding, and it was nice to go to Kroger, and I could get some nice local Texas beer. And I was like, oh <laughs> fuck yeah, Kroger, way to be here. But like Kroger's big. Like Kroger. Yeah. Uh, they got a lot of off companies, and and I think that it, they've got their own organic line that they own. Now. They do, yeah. Simple truth, simple truth, which is interesting because Aldi's brand, which is the same company as Trader Joe's, is simply nature. <laughs> I swear to God, really? Yeah, one's simple truth, the other one's simply nature. Hmm. They they both have green labels. Uh yeah, but Aldi's organic line is actually better than Kroger's. Like if you look at. Uh, like their spaghetti sauce and stuff like that. There's no added sugar. Like okay. there's not even sugar cane or any of that bullshit. Like it's it's just plant products. Yeah. So when we when we started 15 years ago, Aldi wasn't a competitor. There was there wasn't even an Aldi in town. Yeah. Kroger laughed at organic. There was no way Walmart had organic. Um, and, and then you fast forward to 2017, and every store you go into now has an organic section. Um, it's kind of sad though right like the benefit of the greater all right so it's it, to me it's like a, a catch-22 because it's like obviously you want large-scale producers to have organic food when you when you look at it from the outside but then when you look at i'm pretty sure the quality of organic food has gone down since those large-scale producers have carried organic and it's like you look at michael pollan's book and is this really organic? And and I I do want to open this can of worms for <laughs> for Sean's opinion on organic and beyond organic. It gets you on your soapbox, but I think that it 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 it's uh, can you really call it organic if it's being shipped across the country? And I think that's something Michael Pollan really says. Or if you get grass fed beef, a hundred percent grass fed beef from Aldi. You look at the label, and it says uh, it's coming from, uh, I think it's coming from New Zealand. Or and, Argentina. And, and or Paraguay and shit like that. Yeah. So would you rather have 100% grass-fed from a farm in Ohio or another country? And obviously it's that. And then it's like, okay, so what are the standards in that country? And there's there's ways to break it down. And I think it's, you know, Wendell Berry talks about... Uh, you know, in sex, uh, freedom, the economy, whatever that long book. That's a great <laughs> book. It talks about the dangers of the salesman, right? Like, beware of the salesman. That was like his opening intro, and and I think a lot of that's marketing, man. Like a lot of that's marketing. Like, there's a lot of clever marketing in the food business. I think the food business is like, uh, I think it's the largest industry in the United States for sure, and and I think it's. I mean, I could go on on this and everything. So <laughs> I think, but I think what what I'm trying to turn it back to and bring it back to is that you guys were pioneers for an industry that wasn't even cool mainstream, 
and maybe was actually just taking off in a place like the West Coast, and you're in Zanesville, Ohio. Yeah, and you guys made it work, and you guys made it work for as long as you could until the chains took it out, and then big chains getting lower quality organic food kind of put you guys out of business in a sense. Yeah, and I, 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 I also tend to agree that it it's hard. It it's kind of a catch twenty two, like you said, because the more organic that there is, can that really be a bad thing? Like the less Monsanto's involved, yeah, the less glyphosates are sprayed like the less of all that stuff yeah can't be bad the problem is when all these big companies start buying all the organic companies yeah so when conagra owns fifty thousand different organic brands yeah when corporatism takes over right so it's it's less about organic and it's more about local and sustainable and Local's a local's a tricky thing though too. Like, it is. what if I I got local? This is local beef, but it's from a a beef. You know, it's from actually coming out here. It's interesting since you guys have all grass fed cattle. I went by like the cattle thing, and boy, could how'd you, you feel about sitting out there next to like a hundred thousand pounds of animal? You know what? <laughs> I felt really comfortable until that one mom was really shaky, <laughs> and she walked by. And she jumped at me, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> I don't normally have animals act this way, but I'm going to go to the gator because I don't think she's going to mess with me in the gator. Yeah. And we both got close to the gator. She was Something was up with her, man. She was a little twitchy tonight. Yeah. I don't know what's up with her. I don't know if she just had a calf or maybe she was just ready to have a calf, but she was definitely keyed in on you. She did not like me. So. I don't know if it was my smell or what, but. <laughs> And that's like really rare for me to not have a person or animal just not like me. <laughs> but when it does happen, maybe I'm, she I'm, really liked you. No, no. I mean, the way she like jumped around, like she like did like this weird double take. Yeah, on she me. was she was a little twitchy, and it was like it was really interesting. But I felt fine until that happened. Then I was like, I should probably get on the gator. And you're like, well, we can get out of here. I'm like, no, man, I don't mind hanging out here. She just doesn't like me, so I just need yeah. to be aware of her, and that'll be fine. There's always one at the party that just, just wants to start Oh, man. Something. Well, that's the weird thing is people, I have a love, I have a love-hate relationship with with uh, the animal kingdom here in the world. And, and either people, animals, they either love me, like love me, like open arms, like they love me. Most things love me, but the ones that don't, it is like... I, I've definitely been at places where people just did not like me and they couldn't tell you why. And it was like, hmm. or an animal just, and it's very rare, but when it happens, it is an extreme. <laughs> and it is like, uh, I have to be on my toes because it's like a, it's like a come to blows, not like you or hmm. attack mode for that thing because it's something I put off rubs that thing the wrong way. And it's, it's not pretty. It must be pheromones or something. It must be pheromones. I set off a pheromone that makes certain, <laughs> cer- most things love me, but there's a small percentage that want to kill me. Well, I, I know that Peggy and Millie. Peggy and Millie you. love me. They yeah. Did. So Peggy and Millie are the guard donkeys. But I think we should tie this back. We can get into the, do- the, the guard donkeys, but we need to tie this back to the store and Sweet Meadows and the story. So as we established... The double-edged sword or catch-22 of organics getting everywhere. 
but you guys keep this store running. You have a good customer base. You're you're doing things, and and I think it kind of says a testament, like to be in business that long in an area that shouldn't be open to the food you were carrying and all that stuff. I think because I think when I first met you, I had tried a hundred percent grass fed steak from Joe Green, and then I immediately realized I needed to obtain more, and I was like. Hey man, I know you do beef. Uh, what do you guys do quarter cows for? You're like, man, we haven't sold those in so long. Like we haven't had a need to. Oh, uh, we'll we'll discuss it. But we're trying to close down our store, so I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> and then Mr. Brisket came along. But I think, I think the uh, the point that I'm trying to make is I think what you guys were doing was special because you had it open for 12 years. Yeah. And that's special, especially in Zanesville, Ohio, man. Yeah. Like, that's it crazy. Was, I, I, it, it was a source of pride for the entire family. It was a, and, and it was, it was almost like a, a community center. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a lot of people that came in and they might not buy a whole lot, but it was just a lot of people that felt the same way. Yeah. And, Sweet it Meadows was, was kind of like that meeting node. place. Yeah, Sweet Meadows yeah, we, we was had, probably a node. We had we had some some Weston A. Price meetings there every once in a while. Um, my wife raised two of our kids in there. Um, our, one of our uh, our manager who took over, um, Heather, had her children in there all the time. So you, you met people that you knew, um, and and people kind of grew up with you in the store. It was uh, it was something really special. But like we talked about when. Uh, organics kind of exploded i can't buy one case of something and compete with a kroger that's buying six thousand cases of the same thing obviously their their cost and their markup is going to be different than mine your dog must have found a coyote or a fox or something that's um, barking at. yeah i think that's my mother-in-law's uh <laughs> schnauzer here's here here's people talking on the deck so my my german shepherd's asleep Hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of the dangers of outdoor podcasting. Um, here, uh, shortly, like I said, we'll hear the roll call of coyotes probably. That'll be great. I can't wait. If we're still out here. So, so you guys, though, you, so you'd made a, you'd made a decision to kind of close it, but I think before, so, but you guys started Sweet Meadows and the store was like a byproduct of, um, your father-in-law wanting to do something different, always being ahead of the ahead of the curve. He was a a Joel Salatin type before you could realize that you could make money being a Joel Salatin type. Like yeah, he, there was didn't matter what he was doing. He was busy. People came to the farm. He would stop exactly what he was doing. Yep, and talk to them a- every time. And that that's something that I, I had on the way back from our grafting workshop. Um, Greg and I were talking about. Um, the sharing of knowledge and the sharing of old ways, yeah. and it, it's way more important for me to to help people than to gain money from my knowledge. Yeah, and, and I don't know anything. Same you know here. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the The older I get, the more I learn. The more I realize I don't know shit. And and, and my dad and Tim are cut from the same cloth. They would, if they see somebody broken down on the side of the road. They'd slam on the brakes, pull over, jump out, get in the mud, help them change a tire. If their neighbor needed $20 and they had $19, they would go find a dollar to give them 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't make guys like that much anymore. And I I feel proud, and this is what really 
attracted me to the community that we're building now is I feel it's kind yeah. of the same thing. Absolutely. And one of my favorite stories of, of Tim, Katie's dad, was um, one of our, our best accounts that we have is a Thai restaurant in Westerville. And they were having their one-year anniversary. And all of their chicken, their pork, their beef, they sourced from us. And they wanted us to be there for their one-year anniversary because we were one of their top producers. And I remember showing up and all of the people that were there were um, either college professors or doctors, lawyers. Everybody was like dressed to the nines. And there's Tim and I. um, And and he, he had his suspenders on and his plaid shirt buttoned up, cowboy boots on. And uh, looked really out of place, and everybody was kind of sideways glancing at us. And then he started up a conversation with the couple next to us, and they were like, "Oh, so so like, what what do you do?" And he's like, "Well, all the meat that you're eating, I I'm the one that grew it." And within seconds, we had a ring of people around us, and he was a rock star. Yeah, like everybody wanted to talk to the guy that that grew the food that was being served at this restaurant. And that yeah. was like, like, like I just sat there and I was like, man, this is freaking awesome. Yeah. Food is this, uh, it is, food is something that's special that, uh, I think in, in culture and in everything, I think food, food is the centerpiece of everything. It is. And I, th- I think if, if you, I think that's why we're all friends and why we're all attractive is because of our desire to cultivate this relationship with food. Yeah, and, and I think that anybody that even, because you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to do what we do. I mean, fuck, Sean, I wouldn't want to do what you do after taking a tour and you know, <laughs> it's not all easy, brother. You and Katie do, and you work a full time job, and she homeschools your kids, and you guys are, I mean, you guys are, you guys are doing it, and it's, uh, and and I think, and and we'll get into that here in a sec, but I I think like even on my small scale. Of what I'm trying to do, but now just trying to connect dots, like, you know, it's exciting, but there's people that know that that life's not there, but they want what we, what we produce in their life. And I think that that's special too. I don't think that that's, um, I mean, without them, we would be irre- irrelevant. No, exactly. And, and just being a part of it in any way. Yeah. It, it's a movement. It really is a movement. Yeah. And I've been through the whole thing. Like I said, 15 years ago, it wasn't here. Yeah. To be this excited, and it's a lot of people that are local producers, and it and and you think about it being competitive. It's like everybody's raising pork now. Yeah. But I was having this conversation with Katie the other day. Is you know how many millions of people live in Ohio? So if everybody we knew were growing our own food, we still couldn't grow enough food for everyone in Ohio. 10 million people at least in Ohio. Now. 10 million people. Yeah. Like, how exciting would it be if everyone you knew was raising food oh, for Ohio man. and Ohio fed Ohio? Yeah, if Ohio fed Ohio, I mean, that that would be powerful. But, I mean, even if we bled into Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Michigan. If like, the United States just fed the United States. It'd be powerful. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it would. And everybody would be healthier. There'd be a, a much richer sense of community. Yeah. Absolutely. It'd be amazing. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you. I, I uh... So I, I had a very negative impression of Facebook two years ago, and I was ready to jump off and get completely out of it. Um, not social media totally, but Facebook in general. Like once your parents get on and your grandparents and it becomes uncool anymore. But then, then I, I, I started making friends, and I've made more friends 
through Facebook yeah, we and met some communities. Facebook, yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I always had a uh, like three tenants if I were God. So I always said if there was like an election and I could be elected God, uh, my first one was there'd be one commandment. And the one commandment would be don't be a dick. Yeah. Because that pretty much solves everything. Like stealing, adultery, it's a just don't be a dick. Yeah, right? don't be a dick. Murder is the ultimate dick move. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. So number one, I'd have one commandment. That's it. Easy to remember. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah. That's it. Number two was I was going to abolish Facebook. Huh. Because every everything I thought about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg was evil. And there was just all this negative stuff being posted and it, like everything that had to do with the election and all this trolling and just all these requests <laughs> that you get all the time. You um, stupid games. That actually really, but, that really dropped down. Yeah, there's not a lot of that game requests to, that anymore. That used to be like the thing, like but such it, and such invited you to play Bejeweled. But the GSD community completely reversed what I thought about Facebook. And there yeah. are... Through, through like the treatment-free beekeeping, and I get a lot of valuable information from people across the country that normally I, I wouldn't be able to hook up with. Um, and number three, so my, my third thing was that I would give pigs wings. <laughs> so not like giant, they can fly wings, because that would be disgusting if pigs could fly and just like shit everywhere. Yeah. But like little tiny vestigial wings... Because can you imagine how delicious a pig wing would taste? <laughs> you know what bacon tastes like? You yeah. know what ham tastes like? Imagine pig wings. I think, you know, talking to Mark Essig and reading <laughs> reading the, the Lesser Beast and realizing that the best thing about the pig is the different ways that you can cook it or the different cuts that you oh can only God. get from a pig. You don't... I mean, Do the you, closest thing to, to bacon is brisket, and brisket is its own delightfulness and joy do you think pigs like lick each other and they're just like we're uh, delicious well pigs will definitely eat pigs without even thinking about it uh and that's also the reason why pigs are in some cultures frowned a, a upon. filthy animal yeah a filthy animal because when they're in the streets and they're eating human feces like who wants to eat that animal because they'll eat everything but a pig raised right it's it's so so with chickens same with chickens yeah chickens chickens will eat i was having this conversation with mr burns the other day about yeah. how chickens are mini dinosaurs oh they definitely are so are turkeys yep so if, if you see vegetarian fed oh, chicken that's not a good thing i've seen them eat mice i've seen them eat there's little a, snakes there's, there's a great video of a cat it's on a it's on a establishment probably not as cool as this but similar <laughs> with the polyculture of animals and uh there's a cat that found a mouse and it's just trying to toy with it, like just what a cat does. And then out of nowhere, this chicken runs in and grabs the mouse and just brutally oh, yeah. does what a chicken would do to a mouse. And the cat's like, what the hell, man? I was playing with that. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, and I think the caption's like, this is why you don't play with your food. <laughs> and it's like, uh, but a, a chicken is 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 a brutal they, animal. They're an eating machine. Oh, yeah. And it's it's... And the nice thing is, is that uh, pigs will eat chicken scraps, and ducks and chickens will eat pig scraps, because ducks will actually eat eat that stuff too. 
when we were when we were butchering. I don't Mr. have a lot Brisket. of experience with ducks. Well, when we were butchering Mr. Brisket and we were throwing the pieces that we couldn't eat of Mr. Brisket up towards Greg's birds. The funniest was when the duck, the duck was just walking around with with the with the piece, and all these chickens were running at it, and it would <laughs> it pick up running, and they all try to fight over the the scraps. So I think birds in general. I mean, it's it was funny because I remember uh, Michael Crichton had that wild idea in his book Jurassic Park that birds were evolved from dinosaurs, and it's like, man, you you watch a turkey try it's to. It's hard not to think that. Yeah. Especially though they act together. So, so yeah, um, going back to that whole community thing and h- how like you and I got connected. Um, I-, I wasn't a big believer in Facebook, but uh, Katie's dad died almost five years ago. And uh, he knew more about agriculture and farming and stuff like that than, than he's, he's forgotten more of that stuff than I'll ever know. And so that was a kind of through us for a loop for for more than a loop we were lost for over a year and had to decide what we wanted to do because now this was our 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 farm and um much like we went to a salatin workshop my wife and i went to an ofa conference and uh watched mark shepherd yeah uh, give give a lecture uh katie went to one of his his tracks and then i watched the keynote um She's like, you got to come check out this guy. I already bought his book and stuff. So we uh, listened to him talk, and uh, I never got fully hooked on permaculture. Um, I-, I mentioned <laughs> earlier that uh, I've heard some of our friends like Greg say that. Th- I know Greg says he's a recovering permaculturalist. Yeah. Um, he said that on Diego Footer's perm- permaculture podcast, I believe. Permaculture Voices. Yeah. Um, I, I never got fully involved like a lot of my friends. I, uh, I like to say that I tried it once in college and, but didn't inhale. (laughs) So I, I never got fully into permaculture, but it was amazing. Some of the principles that we already had in place here on the farm were permaculture principles. Absolutely. So we, uh, Katie and I converted a lot of, um, what used to be pasture land. Well, and when Tim passed away you had some some land that was still farmed like still row cropped correct and you guys said well we'll rent this out and then something that you told me about that was what uh reminded me most of mark shepherd if if you want to kind of talk about that real quick and maybe you're already shining light on that and i just uh well we just um the cost of running land Yes. Costs more than what it is to just sit there. So so Tim always used to say that he had an iron deficiency, and that's why he bought so much equipment. But the reality of, of row cropping is it, it takes a lot of tractors. It takes a lot of fossil fuel. If you want to harvest any of that stuff, you have to have a combine. And a, a combine costs more than any house I will ever own, probably. And we had no desire to make that kind of investment in something that will break down and and have to be repaired over and over and over again. So we actually had a, every year Katie and I try and come up with a motto, and one year it was no row for yo, which is <laughs> no, no row co- crops. So for the first time in the history of her dad's farm, we had no row crops. And we basically just planted like clover and a couple fields in alfalfa and just let it turn into meadow and, and made hay out of it. And... 
um, it was it was pretty freeing to not have row crops and not be dependent on so much machinery to make any kind of any kind of products on your subsidies farm. too. Uh, and that the really the way you make money on a farm with row crops is through government subsidies and crop insurance and and stuff like that. You don't make it on harvesting and and selling soybeans and corn. Yeah, it's uh. And it's just not sustainable. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with farmers that do that. I just don't think that they know that there's a, a separate option. And I think that... Well, there a, is, and there's such a demand and a, for and corn I, and soybeans in the yeah, world. Exactly. And I think Tim was Tim was starting to figure it out, and I think Tim was starting to segue so you and you and uh, Katie would would have something to... to that he could leave you guys. And I, and I don't think he planned on, obviously he was a young man. Um, but I, I think that being ahead of the curve and, and being that, and then, you know, reading Mark Shepard and then deciding we're going to take this to pasture. And then what do you guys have? You know, a, a, a very cool mini orchard, like what, what Greg Burns has on, on, on his, his farm, his separate property from his homestead. Um, you know, and I think that, and I think we should get into more of all the animals you have, and you know, we'll we can talk about my favorite guard animals <laughs> that are your favorite guard animals too. And I think it's so fascinating. And I think anybody that is not does not run livestock and hears this is it's just like really like I want to see yeah. this happen. So here, I I think that the thing that brought Drew to the farm more than anything was the guard donkeys. Was was the guard donkeys? Well, it was grass fed beef. Too, yeah. I love, I love <laughs> and delicious grass fed beef. Yeah, too. but it, guard donkeys is just such a old. It's it sounds like it's it's just such a uh, when you talk about the old ways, it's like an old timers thing or something that the Amish are probably familiar with. Yeah, so that we're not. I I, but I really think your story of acquiring them is even funnier because you <laughs> thought it was a joke. Yeah, in, in reality, I I uh, I wanted some form of donkey or mule for 10 years and I just to have them on the farm. And I, I thought that miniature donkeys were just like adorable and they were hilarious. I'd secretly hoped they would sound like Eddie Murphy when we brought him to the farm. <laughs> and I, and it was a kind of a running joke with my wife that I was going to go buy some donkeys and put them on the farm. And she repeatedly told me no year after year after year. Tim, Tim always said like, like your land you can do whatever you want with but i'm not taking care of any damn donkeys like i've already got a couple horses and stuff that i don't want so nobody really wanted them because you can't eat them really and what good is it having a donkey on the farm so i i did year after year after year of research on donkeys and i would drop hints to my wife like did did you know that like they're excellent at pasture management and there's hardly any up shit's and, amazing yeah they they have excellent manure that composts well and um there's hardly any maintenance and here's a website on people singing the praises of donkeys well then i came across somebody who was actually using donkeys as a guard animal and we'd had problems with hawks um in the past with our meat chickens and one summer we had a particularly difficult year with foxes uh, my neighbor actually trapped 16 foxes within a month and a half a mile down the road from us. So for some reason, there was a, an explosion of, of foxes in the area. And we had a fox that killed 13 laying hens in one night. Um, I had a trail cam set up on our meat chickens. 
And at it was like 11.47 every night, this fox would show up, get his picture taken on the trail cam, dig under the chicken coop and try and get a chicken, and then he'd disappear. So finally, uh, we were on one of those Facebook pages where it's like Ohio Livestock Buy, Sell, Trade or something like that. And there were two donkeys. And they were both Jennies. They were past their prime. They couldn't breed anymore. The The woman was desperate to get rid of them. Um, and it was and, well. There's an interesting thing with the Jennies and the Jacks too. So apparently the Jennies are less stubborn, and you have to have two of them, otherwise they get lonely. Donkeys are very social animals. So if you ever, you don't ever want to have one donkey. So you want a mating Even with pair. The boys. Well, you either want a mating pair from, and I'm no donkey expert. All I know is uh, my own personal. Uh, Your Facebook avatar is a picture we, of one of your donkeys. <laughs> Uh, part of the reason for that is because I've been called a smart ass many, many, many times. <laughs> and and <laughs> Millie's a very, very smart donkey. So, um, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm no donkey expert. And actually, everyone that I talk to hates donkeys. And they're like, it's not going to work. And uh, if you have one male donkey, he tends to be an asshole. And if you have a mating pair, then they're kind of territorial. Um, but th- this was two Jennies. And they were both past their breeding prime. And I finally talked my wife into getting them. And we got and them they for were free. Basically nothing. They uh, just needed some care and some love. And immediately upon bringing them to the farm, everyone fell in love with them. And except for dogs. Even your dog. So my, my dog and my mother-in-law's dog rushed into the pasture to say hi to the brand new donkeys. And... um one of the dogs got almost stomped to death by one of the donkeys. So it, it was it was funny a little bit, but not funny that one of the dogs almost got killed. But it kind of proved my point that they were good livestock guardian animals. Um, but anything that resembles anything from the dog kingdom. So if it's a wolf, a fox, a coyote. Any, any candids, I think is what they're called. The, cand- the candid, canids. Canids, yes. yes. Canids. So and, and, and cameras and oh. everybody, <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyways, so, everybody was like, "Oh, sure, it's like a Chihuahua or a Schnauzer. The donkey's going to stop it, whatever." So, um, less than three weeks ago, well, where you guys live, let's say that too. So, for some reason, assholes like to take cats and dogs and just drop them off on this street. Yeah, apparently, in the animal kingdom, we are a registered. Sanctuary, safe haven. Yeah. So there's there's some kind of sign out in the woods that says if you need a place to live and you're a dog or a cat, show up here. So there's a history, a 35, 40 year history of rescue animals on the farm. Um, we're up to about eight cats, I think, and four dogs, and most of those were were adopted. We have a one eyed cat named Pirate right now that just showed up uh, one day. Uh, uh. So um, it's a safe place and. Three weeks ago, uh, backtrack a little bit, in November we got our first dairy cow um, who was massively pregnant and huge, like a hippo, um, in a paddock right next to the house, and a pit bull showed up. So out of nowhere, there was a pit bull, and somehow he managed to get inside the fenced-off six-wire paddock with two donkeys and a pregnant dairy cow. And the whole family was panicking. Everybody was screaming. Like, like you see a pit bull, and you're like instantly like, oh my god! And this this little guy was 
pretty built. He was he's stout. A big, he's he was a big very, boy. Very muscly. Um, obviously had an owner. He had like a, a little mark around his neck where he had a collar. And he was very agitated. And the second he made it in there with our dairy cow, the hair went up on the back of the donkeys. Their ears stood straight up. They charged him and got in like their I'm going to stomp you down position. And I saw a pit bull put his tail between his legs and haul ass in the away from woods him. and hide in the woods for a half an hour until I could put a halter on two donkeys and lead them away with a carrot. And my wife had to try and lure this dog out. So, and he actually ended up being a sweet dog. Who he was he scared. did. Um, he did. Have you seen him stomp a fox? I think you said you saw or I, you I, found I a fox. Came. Uh, we used to live. We just moved into onto the farm within the last year, and we used to drive here every day from, I think it's six tenths of a mile away. And one day I I came out to the farm and saw the donkeys in alert position. And couldn't figure out what was going on. And when I went out to check on our, our laying hens, I saw a fox running away in sheer terror with his tail between his legs um, early in the morning. So um, we haven't had a single fox mess with any of our chickens since. Yeah. The or donkey coyotes. Showed up. And you found a, a probably a koi wolf, which you'll have to send me a picture of, that was... That got itself caught in the fence and looks like it electrocuted itself. Yeah, and we, we definitely have... Every night I can hear the coyote roll call on either side of our property. So uh, we have a, a railroad track that goes between our cattle pasture. And then on the other side, we have a neighbor that raises pigs. And every single night without fail, you can hear the the coyote roll call. And they don't step foot near the uh, the guardian donkeys. <laughs> yeah, the guard donkeys are the sweetest animals, too. They're, if you go up, they're like, they put their head down just like a dog or any animal that loves humans. And they just come up and they put their head down. They they want you to scratch behind their ears. Like they're sweet yep. animals to humans, but man, they're, if they're so sweet that when we were renovating this barn out here, I almost died from falling off a ladder. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but you can't work out there without them rubbing up against you. <laughs> so they're just they're like giant puppies. Yeah, yeah, they really they're they're yeah they're they're great animals. Um. So let's talk about what all you guys are doing now. And and, and, and I do kind of want to talk because you guys are technically, you have organic pasture. Um, you're certified organic for pasture. And we, we got in, I got you on your soapbox and you, and, I, <laughs> and you managed to avoid it for the podcast. Uh, but you raise right now, you have meat birds, you have, you have cow and you have pigs. Um, you have a lot of potential to scale up with other things because you have existing infrastructure on the farm that the opportunity arose. You could, you could, you could jump in. I mean, you're in a, you're in a good position right now. And I think that, and I think it's, it's great because it's, you know, Katie's family. Um, I mean, you, you go and all your neighbors are family members in a sense. And I think that's, it's like the, the dream of, of back to the land, but it's like, you went back to the land and and went back to where you you came from in a sense and it and it kind of worked out and I think it's a it's an awesome awesome setup man I've been blown away but you guys you guys raise all your own meat you don't get you don't source meat from anywhere you farrow your hogs you correct you stud out your heifers or you don't stud them out but you no you, we have our own bull you had yeah you had your own had bull one. and he had yes. a heart attack the day that the dairy cow had a bull 
Yes. So um, we're in a period of transition with uh with cattle genetics, but uh, but yeah, we have a, and and this has been a a topic of conversation with my wife and I for several years. Is most of the people that we know that are what you would consider successful farmers have like one or two enterprises. So there's a lot of really successful hog farmers that may have some chickens. There's a lot of really successful grass-fed beef farmers that may raise a couple pigs. But there's very few people that have a herd of 100 cattle, raise 50 to 100 pigs a year, and do 1,600 broiler chickens like we try and do. Absolutely. And I I think it it helped having an an old-timer like Tim transition, help you guys transition into the infrastructure too. And I think... And 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 the amount of gratitude that I just sense from just even spending you know what time I did with you and your family it's pretty it's pretty awesome it's like you know we know we know we're lucky to be in this situation and we're super grateful for it as you guys use the correct probably the right word which is blessed and uh, man it's it's a cool setup man I think uh, sorry for interrupting you but I no just thank to you very much and, yeah. and we are truly truly blessed um, there are times where we sit down after a hard day's work and, and you're exhausted. And like you said, I have a full-time job and then I don't really get days off. But when you sit down around a table and you say a prayer with your family and your wife has the opportunity to raise your kids and spend every second of the day teaching them morals and, and history lessons and reading and writing and, you look down at your plate and everything on your plate came from your farm. There's something that you just, you just can't describe to somebody else. And, and that's something that I, I feel so incredibly blessed about. And it's, it's, it's more than I can put into words. And I, I actually listened to your podcast with Greg from last year about scale. And, the thing that we struggle with the most is when, when does it become a job and it's not fun anymore? Yeah. So it's like, do we, do we want to keep raising a hundred beef cattle a year? Do we want to ramp up the pig operation? Do we want to raise more meat chickens because the market's there? But I haven't been to a beach in four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) We joked about (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. <laughs> you all right, man? Yeah. So we we joked about, too, when I got here, I was that you know, I just I just read Gene Logson's last book, which we both talked about, man, I wish we could have met that guy. Like, yeah. man, that, that was a sample hour episode that could have happened had I been a little bit more hip to him uh, like a year before. And, um, but Gene said something in, in a, 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 a letter to young farmers and something Gene said really stuck out with me, and it's and it's so true. I remember first time I hung out with Nick Stachel to the outside of Permaculture Voices Three. We're going to uh, we're going to Justin Hunt's house to learn how to inoculate mushroom logs, and Nick gets this phone call. He's like, "Ah, my neighbor," and he's like, "I bet one of my one of my animals got out." <laughs> sure enough, yeah, the one pig that kept escaping. 
And Joel sitting in the backseat who also raves livestock. He's like, ah, oh, hate that call. I've had that call before back when he used to have yep. pigs. And sure enough, you and Katie said, yeah, we finally got a date night out. We we left we left the farm and had a night to ourselves. And sure enough, our cows ended up in the street. It's insane. It's it's like they they know the second you leave the farm, there's like a a scout. It's like they're gone. Yeah. And and Tim used to say the same thing, and I always thought he was full of crap. But the second he would leave the farm for a night to go to a conference or go somewhere with Martha, the freaking cows got out every single time. So yeah. So there's there's a there's a lot to be said for scale, and I know a lot of us um, in this community have thought about it a lot lately. But um, at the end of the day, I'm never gonna I'm not gonna die and and say that I didn't leave a fulfilled life. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, I I we just keep adding stuff to the farm, and the cool thing is, uh, we walked out where we planted a bunch of chestnuts, and some of the fruit trees we planted. I'll probably never see a lot of that stuff come to fruition the way I want it to, but I've got some kids that are really interested in the farm, and I've got enough acreage that any of them that that are interested that want to stay here and make that part of their life, we've got it. Yeah. And and that means more to me than than anything else. Yeah, I mean something that's sticking with me that my grandpa always said is they don't manufacture more land. That's right. And it's like if you got land and you know how to use it, that's all you really need. And that's something else in Gene's book is he said, you know, if you want to save money, don't take vacations. Just enjoy what you have more in it. And it's uh it's an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's kind of a mental game to play with yourself like obviously we're freedom oriented people and we want to enjoy the benefits luckily i've done quite a bit of traveling in my day but even then it's like the the freedom to want to leave and and do something else i mean when you have you know when you have you know i'm guessing over 100 cattle and over 100 pigs and everything like that that's makes it tough I mean, it definitely does, but it is cool for an outsider like me that comes here and sees everything and <laughs> doesn't have to deal with that on a daily basis. Well, and, and, and we're trying to kind of make our own paradise here. Yeah. So somebody, I wish I could remember who told me this, but uh, a friend of ours was talking about how they're trying to make their little homestead the funnest place to be on earth. So when their kids are teenagers, they want all the other kids to come over here and hang out. Absolutely. So if your kids are happy and, and you've got a place for them to to stay and have fun and do stuff or with. Or if they're upset because their sleepover can only happen on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was our drama for tonight. Was, it was, uh, Dad, I don't want it on the Wednesday. It's like, God, man, I remember as a kid, sleepover would only happen on Fridays. And that's because it wasn't like a, a full day thing. And that was only if my parents had good weeks at work. Sometimes it would get canceled. Yep. There's there's some amazing benefits to, to homeschooling your kids. You can go to the zoo on a Tuesday or Wednesday. It's awesome. Yep. There's there's all kinds of stuff that's super not busy whenever you don't have to jump and get on a school bus every day and go into town. But then you don't she threaten your kids with that? <laughs> that's been rumored. It's been rumored. Yeah. You wanna go to school and sit with some stranger you don't like and kids you don't want to get to know? Yeah, but you you think about the education they're getting on on the farm and uh it's incredible my my 
all three of my kids got to witness the birth of our, our dairy cows bull calf and videotape it with the iPhone and take pictures and watch the whole thing from start to finish. So, and then, and then play with a little critter who's a crazy little bull calf now. He's pretty cool. He's going to be a good, good, uh, good stud for you in the future. Hopefully. Well, Sean, if, if people, we didn't actually get into how you've changed after what we did with the grocery store. Let's finish that and then close it up. Yeah. So, First of all, just thanks, man. It's been a hell of a oh, night. Oh, man, it's been fun. I've been wanting to make this happen for a while. It was good I, to I sit down it. and have a meal and have yeah. some beverages and just talk. Yeah, um, man, fellowship. But uh, it, we uh, our, our next transition, so our transformation is um, the Sweet Meadows business is still alive. Um, I got to take you through the new shop and kind of what we're doing out here. And we had our first wholesale delivery today from united natural foods so people that are interested in cases of product and stuff like that we can still get it to them i just don't have the crazy amount of overhead because we're doing everything from the farm now how dare you get rid of overhead (laughs) so we're we're uh we're keeping the business going and as a as an added side bonus we'll deliver it to your house for free so anybody that's interested in our meats and one of our, our goals is still to support as many people as we can. So I, I'm trucking eggs from Nature's Image Farm around town. We've got um, some maybe, bison. Maybe meat, you guys maybe. will get some salad mix and microgreens. We've got, too. <laughs> we've got some awesome. turkey sausage. I'd love to carry some salad mix. Um, a- anything. My, my dream would be to support as many local people as we could. I, I'm blessed to have what we have, and I just want to share it. So I, I've, I've just got to get some bacon racing stripes on our on our van, um, but it's already up and running. So we're super you drive excited. It? Do you guys have a driver? Uh, just us, Katie and I. That's cool, man. Yep. It's only got a... Bootstrapping. Three seats in the front, though, and I got three kids, so only two of them get to go on deliveries. So is it like a thing where they, they fight to who gets to go? They, they actually do. So That's awesome, man. It is. Well, if people want to follow Sweet Meadows and people want to follow you, Shane, or they want to ask you questions about guard donkeys or uh, breeding cattle or farrowing hogs or any of that cool stuff, grafting trees, what's a good way to get a hold of you? Um, right now through our Facebook page, it's Sweet Meadows on Facebook. Um, I, I have a website that's in progress from a good buddy of ours through our Ohio GSD crew. Um, should be up and running very soon. Um, but yeah, Facebook's good. Sweetmattersmarket.com. Nice. That's it, man. Well, hey, uh, Sean, thanks for having me out here and sharing a delicious filet with me and, uh, broccoli and potatoes and some beverages and give me a nice tour and almost, uh, getting killed by a, 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 <laughs> a cranky, a, a cranky heifer. But, uh, yeah, man, I had a great time and uh, appreciate you having me on. And, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. You'll probably hear this on Patreon first. If you're one of the new Patreon subscribers, uh, these are coming out. Uh, you can actually see, so I'm going to get get ahead. And so you actually can listen to these first on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash sample hour, you can figure out how to get, get in touch with that and get signed up with that. So, Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening and looking forward to bringing another show here soon.